Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. It's uh, time now for Greg's List, but we've got a little problem. Greg is missing in action. No, actually, he's uh, headed down to Savannah, so uh, we ask his good friend and, and uh, our good friend of the station, uh, Jeff Breedlove, to fill in for Greg today. And it's uh, in a moment's notice, Jeff has done a, a fantastic job of putting some uh, folks together that are going to be calling in and we'll be talking to, or, or Jeff will be talking to in a little while. But uh, I want to welcome Jeff to the studio and to America's Web Radio, and we appreciate you filling in for Greg. Well, it's an honor to be here. You know, I, I Rush Limbaugh has the golden microphone. I've always thought Greg has the platinum microphone. <laughs> and, and to sub for the great uh, Greg is uh, is a tremendous honor and privilege. And uh, I know he I was, think I'm getting sick. Uh, you know, look, look, you got you got to butter the host up and, and, and the CEO up, too. But really, I'm excited to be here today, and I know Greg is with his family, and I know he'll be back soon. Uh, so much going on, though, in politics uh, at the national level uh, with this jockeying for 2016. Down here in Georgia at the state capitol with the legislative session just getting underway. Uh, lots of fun things to talk about. Looking forward to being being here today. Have they? I guess they had. Do you do you go to the the pig picking or whatever they call it? I have been many years to the pig picking. Okay, so uh, so they they had that and they are starting business now, huh? Well, it's it's it actually is um, very traditional. There's annual events like like the uh, the, the pig picking, but there's also some speeches that the incumbent governor gives each year and he sort of outlines his agenda one of those is at the eggs and issues breakfast sponsored by the chamber of commerce every year one of those is the state of the state address every year and of course every fourth year is his inaugural address and then he also speaks uh, every second year at the biennial in athens georgia and it's it's a combination of listening to all of these speeches to learn where the governor plans to take the legislative session each each time one of those speeches comes up. And it was very interesting to watch Governor Deal uh, unveil his legislative agenda at these different speeches this year. Well, we've, uh, we're fortunate that uh, the state's in better shape than some states are and not as good a shape as, as some states are. Well, you know, it's... it's um, Tremendous news that we had recently with um, Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. moving down here from New Jersey. Of course, the Porsche offices coming along every day right by the airport. You see the, the track being being developed. Uh, Governor Neal just went to London on an economic development trip. And you know the seriousness of an economic development trip when the governor and his senior staff are willing to be criticized publicly for why they won't talk about what they did you know that, that something serious is going on, and you, you are expecting good news soon. So the governor's been over there. He would not talk about the details of the trip, but to me that indicates Georgia's in a very, very good position to have another big announcement coming soon. You know, Jeff, uh, obviously you keep up with it, and I, I think I fall into the uh, category. Many, many years ago, I, I uh, in my ad agency, represented uh, uh, state representative and uh, uh, ran his election for him and all this stuff and he won and we were we were grateful for that but for the most part I'm like I think the average citizen that we accept the state we almost do more locally and then we sort of 
pass over the state and then we go right to the national and, and what's going on and and <laughs> if they keep up and unfortunately we got a bunch of citizens that don't even keep track of what's going on in their own house much less uh, what's going on in politics but I, I think we we have a tendency as a public uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong but we skip over our own states in a lot of ways it, it's really it's really sad in a way um, State Representative John Linder, who went on to become U.S. Congressman John Linder, oh, told, I know John Linder well. <laughs> told this story once. He was a state representative, re- representative representing Dunwoody, Georgia. His neighbor, who he's known for years, called him up. Her trash had not been picked up that particular morning. And she said, can you, can you call and arrange someone to pick it up for me? And he said, well, of course, but I know that you know our county commissioner very well. He's a good friend of yours. Why didn't you just call him? And she said, without missing a beat, she said, well, frankly, John, I didn't want to start that high. And he said, <laughs> he's a very intellectual man, yeah. he said that's one of the lessons he learned, that she viewed the government closest to her as most important to her. And she needed the county commissioner more than she needed her state representative from her pr- perspective. So he said that validated part of the conservative philosophy that, you know, the government that governs best is the one closest to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard him give that speech many times, much more eloquently than I just did. But I do agree that, that I just spent the morning, as a matter of fact, at the Cab County Board of Commissioners meeting. They had 300 people in that room talking about the exciting zoning of, of this street or that street or a traffic light here or a, 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 a one-way street there. And, and it was fascinating to watch that these people came down, small business owners in many cases, because this impacted them every day. Sure. It impacted their family or their livelihood or both. And these issues were drop-dead serious to these people. They won't be on the evening news tonight. They won't be on the front page of the paper or even on our radio show. But to these people, these were real decisions that impacted their real life. And it was important to them. But I guarantee you that in many ways they have no idea what's happened the first six days down at the Georgia General Assembly. Uh, because that's also not on Fox or CNN every night. You know, the, the times I've been down to the uh, General Assembly, I must say my my knee-jerk reaction was a Chinese fire drill in many cases. Um, didn't really seem as organized, and, and yet I know it was. There, there's, there's method in the madness, if you want to call it, or whatever you want to say, but it didn't seem quite as... Um, Stately, maybe is a good word, as as our national congress or or other other uh, congressional type situations, but they get a job done, and uh, and it's like everything else. It's it's all in the leadership. It's it's very much part uh, partly leadership driven. Uh, it may not be as stately, but I'll, I'll say I, I've spent time this year both in the House chamber and the Senate chamber. And, and you see these citizen legislators, and I think too often people have the presumption that our, our folks at the Gold Dome get paid a full-time salary like our members of Congress do, have all these insurance benefits, and the fact is that's just not the case. They do not get insurance. They do not get paid full-time. In most cases, whether they're Democrat or Republican, they're probably losing money. They're certainly losing time away from their family. They do it because they do have a servant's heart. And they are making a serious sacrifice to serve our state. Uh, they don't always agree how to get to where we're going to pass legislation. But I think most of them have a heart in the right place. 
and they're down there um, long hours, uh, even though they're only in legislative days, 40 days. There's days in between and committee hearings year-round, and we have the biggest state east of the Mississippi River, and they go around to different communities having different hearings. So these men and women work very hard, but uh, it does seem like organized chaos sometimes. <laughs> um, and I will tell you that it's a, it's a, I've talked to some of the new freshmen in the Senate, and I've asked them their perspectives on their first week. <laughs> and I will tell you that uh, it's an advanced civics lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and this is something from my perspective is that uh, that that's it's something that needs to be taught uh, I grew up in a different state entirely and uh, we learned about we did more in social studies and, and uh, in um, uh, the activities of uh, not only the city council but also the state but it again there's sort of a that's Texas for you you know, and that's uh, well. Everything's bigger in Texas. That's right, and uh, except for me, I, I. But you have to have the the other side of every coin, you know. Um, but I, I think uh, we spent a lot of time being educated in Texas politics, and I was fortunate that uh, my dad knew some of the pretty close with some of the folks and governors and so forth. So it uh, it meant a whole lot, and I don't think kids today in many cases have the appreciation of politicians at any level. You know, I think that's very sad. My son is 14 years old. He's in eighth grade. And I I sort of observe what it is that he's bringing home. And he's been studying the Civil War or the War of Northern Aggression, whatever you want to call it, either way. But, um, you know, I think he studied everything about the Civil War except the military aspect of the Civil War. Yeah, I don't think... They're studying all this politically correct stuff about slavery and, and, and other other parts of it, and they're not teaching true American history anymore. And as a part of that, they're not teaching American civics. And that leads to a lack of respect for the process. It's almost like if it's not an app on a phone, kids these days don't get it. If it's not instant gratification, they don't get it. One... Um, Example of that, and I'm, I'm hoping that he has time to call into us today. Is a state representative, Alan Peake, has been sponsoring House Bill One, which is this medical cannabis bill to help uh, primarily young children in our state who are who are literally dying. And you know, Alan is a state representative. He's not emperor of Georgia. And there's some families that are very passionate about this bill. And Alan went down there last year, and the bill did not pass passed the House, but it did not pass the Senate on the last day. This year he came back, introduced the bill, lots of emotion about it. He earned the governor's support, but there had to be some compromise. It was positive compromise, but it wasn't what it was in its original form. And instantly you had some people saying, well, Allen's betrayed us and the system doesn't work. But then you meet with some of these folks and you remind them that uh, this is not uh, you know, a theocracy or a dictatorship, and you may be for this bill, but he's got to work with 180 members of the House. He's got to work with the Senate. He's got to work with the governor. They've got to get it past the court system. So there's all these people that have to be involved, and they start to go, oh, yeah, you're right, that's better that way, isn't it? So I've, I've watched civics lessons this past few weeks with families who cared passionately about wanting a bill the way they want it and when they want it, 
and how they want it. And when they didn't get it that way, their initial reaction was anger. But then when they realize, oh yeah, we are you know, a free republic, some would say a democracy, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we don't just have dictators tell us the way things are going to be. They realize, you know, that's probably a good thing that there have to be other voices. And so Allen's gone through that process, and he had a press conference yesterday, and he did just indicate he'll be calling in in a minute. You know, where the, some of the same families that were initially upset were standing beside him again going, look, we get how the process works. And that's, that's healthy. But what's very disturbing is that we don't seem to have a focus on that in our schools today where young people have a respect for that process. Oh, I watch probably, uh, I enjoy watching, well, no, I don't, actually. I hate watching it, but uh, Waters World. Oh, uh, sure. You know. It's very and, sad to watch that, isn't it? Oh, it, it's, you know, who was the first president? Oh, gee, you know, I ought to know that. Uh, you know, and, and there's, you know, this was just on this morning, I think, or yesterday or sometime the other, recently, and it's like, I mean, how can you not know the simplest of things. Oh, it's our, sad. Our, our immigrants our, our, that become citizens, they know more than, than oh, exactly our kids right. do. That's exactly right. And uh, this is, and we wonder, and this is my opinion, what's wrong with the system? Well, what's wrong with the system is the, the people that it's trying to govern that don't know what the heck's going on. That's exactly right. The system itself isn't wrong. It's that leaders are moving away from the system that works to replace it with a system that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the state of Arizona <coughs> Arizona, has passed and signed into law uh, a civics requirement for citizenship uh, to graduate from... from uh, All for it. For, from high school. So uh, some on the far left went nuts because, you know, heaven forbid, before we give a high school diploma in the state of Arizona... To a child to go to university and get in the job market, we're going to say you got to know a little bit about the way your government works and what your history is all about. I think that law should pass in all 49 states. With the tag on it that you have to have a uh, a uh, photo ID to vote. Oh, but absolutely. we got to take a break right now. So we'll be back with Jeff Breedlove right after this. Hi, this is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. The Prissy Tomboy radio show empowers females with confidence and belief in self through active, healthy lifestyles. Listen every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on America's Web Radio. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? 
Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment because we believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Greg's List, and uh, this is sort of a special Greg's List, as a matter of fact. Uh, we've got Jeff Breedlove in, standing in for Greg today, and we appreciate it. And we'll be back. Uh, well, Jeff's going to take it for a second, and we'll be back with this caller right after I get him brought into the board. Hang on. Just uh, welcome back and uh, so uh, happy to be here for Greg today on Greg's List Live. And tell you, uh, I'm the associate editor of GeorgiaPundit.com. Our editor, Todd Ream, uh, puts out the morning edition every morning. It's free to sign up. Visit us at GeorgiaPundit.com. Sign up for the uh, daily newsletter from our editor, Todd Ream. Check us out on Twitter at GeorgiaPundit and on Facebook. It's your, it is your best source for Georgia. Uh, politics and Georgia business and uh, news like that. We encourage you to sign up and follow us at georgiapundit.com. But I know we have calling in right now uh, from the state capitol, State Representative Alan Peake from Macon, Georgia, who's the author of House Bill 1, which is a tremendous piece of legislation, life-saving pro-life legislation that's gotten Georgia lots of international and national attention. And uh, Representative Peake, are you with us here? I am uh, glad to be with you today, Jeff. Well, it's a privilege that you take time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, tell uh, tell the listeners here on America's Web Radio, Greg's List Live, uh, where HB1 is right now. I know it was a big day for you at the Capitol yesterday. Uh, it, it was. We introduced HB1, which is uh, a bill that would uh, do two things. It would be provide immunity for uh, citizens uh, who have possession of cannabis oil that is proven to be uh, significantly effective for uh, treating particular medical diagnosis. Uh, it would provide immunity for those citizens uh, who have possession of this cannabis oil in Georgia. It's a huge step toward um, uh, allowing citizens with up to 17 medical diagnoses to be able to access uh, cannabis, and uh, and so it's a, a significant step in the right direction. It also will create a commission that would... Um, uh, be mandated to provide a recommendation back to the governor and the general assembly by December of 2015. What is the best method to uh, best regulatory structure for uh, growing, uh, processing, and distributing cannabis oil in our state so that we can um, have the product actually here in Georgia and available uh, for our citizens rather than having to have it brought in from another state. Well, your work has been tremendous on this. I mean, two years ago, if, if people would have laughed you out of the, the Capitol if, if, if they thought it would have come this far. Now, let's be blunt. A couple of weeks ago, some families got a little bit upset at, at uh, the announcement that there would be a new version of this. But yesterday, some of those same families were standing right beside you because they saw how the process worked and how this is going to save lives in Georgia for these uh, children in particular. 
you had over 100 signatures, I believe, co-sponsors. Tell us a little bit about what's going on to, uh, to get the truth out about this bill. Well, we, we initially wanted to push a bill, um, and we've been working on it for a while, that would provide immunity for our citizens for possession of cannabis oil, but also set up that in-state grow uh, structure um, so we could have access here in Georgia. We, we had some concerns from uh, leadership uh, at the governor's level and at, uh, in other chambers that, that maybe we need a little more study to make sure we do that right, that we set up that, set up that in-state uh, grow regulatory structure um, in the proper and most pr- uh, prudent, expeditious manner. We got a, so, so when we had a little pivot and went to a, a commission to do, uh, which would delay that in-state growth for a year, we had a lot of pushback from folks going, "Hey, you know, uh, you, you, we should be doing this now. You know, we need this medicine now available in-state." Once we were able to uh, explain to folks, though, that there were different options of being able to access the cannabis oil with the immunity, immunity language, um, I think folks began to be able to see that, hey, this is still a very effective bill. This is a bill that will really make a difference for um, in the, in the uh, quality of life for individuals here in our state. And so that, so it's, it's taken a little bit of an education over the last 10 days, but, but it was evidenced by having, actually we're up to 110 signatures on the, uh, co-sponsors on the bill now out of 180, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, the governor, Governor Deal has said he's committed to moving this bill forward and supporting it. Uh, Speaker David Ralston has said he's uh, supportive of this bill and wants to move it quickly. So, so I'm hoping that we'll have it out of the House in the next uh, week or two to the Senate, and hopefully out of the Senate real quickly and on the governor's desk uh, in a perfect world by the 1st of March. And I'll tell you this. Uh, you mentioned uh, these options. Uh, what's impressed me the most, and, and I was at your press conference yesterday uh, there at the Capitol, uh, option four. Uh, in my opinion, is serious leadership, and it's something that all too often is liking uh, in government and politics today. I know it's not your first choice, but you were very serious when you said, if push comes to shove, you and uh, I know State Representative Micah Grabley was there with you too, and we all know he is committed to this uh, with you, would, would go to Colorado and bring it back yourself, uh, maybe a little bit of a time for, for civil disobedience uh, to, to prove a fallacy of, of this law. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, we, we, we believe there are um, a couple of good options. We were chatting, number one, we're chatting with a manufacturer that would, that would be able to ship the product uh, to uh, Georgia if there is immunity language in Georgia uh, because the product is so low in THC it's considered hemp. And so we believe that's a very real and very viable option. Uh, this particular product that, that would be shipped is shown to be significant. Uh, have significant input uh, impact on kids with seizure disorders. The second option is we, we, there are some neighboring states around us that are very close to having a cannabis oil product available, uh, so our citizens could drive to another nearby state, uh, pick up the product, and come back to Georgia. Uh, third, we're, we're asking the governor governor deal to uh, seek an exemption from the DEA and the Justice Department uh, for shipping of product into Georgia. And then, yeah, the, the, the last option, if, if all three of those fail. Um, then, then you know it may be time for a little civil disobedience. Uh, you know, it's it's just amazing that I I could be in Colorado and be in possession of cannabis oil legally. I can be in Georgia and be in possession of cannabis oil legally, but because I'm coming from Colorado to Georgia, I would be arrested. I could risk arrest having to drive through Kansas, and so uh, it, I. 
it may be time that someone like me or an individual citizen um, was willing to risk arrest to show the lunacy of the federal law uh, that prohibits transport of a legal product from one state to another uh, state. And so, you know, listen, my preference is not to go to jail. I'd rather, I'd rather not. And so I believe that these first three options are good ones for our citizens. Uh, but if it came down to it, I am fully prepared to risk uh, arrest, uh, the chance of being arrested to, to go pick up the product for these uh, kids with seizure disorders. I'll tell you, that's, that's real leadership, and it's, it's very impressive. I know it's moved the opinions of, of a lot of families that are impacted by this, that you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk. I have to tell you, too, that um, you know one of the things I've observed about you is that you're very accessible. Tell our listeners how they can get out, uh, reach, outreach to you, get in touch with you, and, and, and follow you on social media. Sure. There's a, c- a couple of spots. I have a Facebook page. It's State Representative Alan Peake. Uh, they can uh, connect with me there. Uh, I have a personal Facebook page as well, Alan Peak. They connect. I have a Twitter account. Uh, it's Alan A L L E N Peak P E A K E. That's it's just my name. They can contact me there. Uh, they can go to the Georgia General Assembly website um, that uh, would have my off my Capitol office number as well too. And and you can go to AlanPeak.com, which is the website as well too. So there's plenty of ways to get me. Um, uh, I always like to hear feedback. I, I can assure you that I, I get a lot of feedback that's not always positive. People disagreeing with me, and that's okay. And, uh, and so, so I'm interested in what folks have to say about this particular issue. It is, it is uh, such an important issue, and I've become so passionate about it uh, that, that, that it's led me to this conviction of that. That, that, that you know what? Uh, it's we, we need this change in federal law. Uh, so to allow transport of, of cannabis oil across states, and uh, and maybe it's just time for for some drastic action. Well, I'll tell you, I think that that uh, you're going to be a national leader uh, when Congress has to, and they they will have to take this issue up at a federal level. Uh, one thing that haunts me very much, and I do not remember the young lady's name. She was a, an innocent child. I met her at last General Assembly uh, in January or February of 2014 at the Capitol with you at an event, and that young lady has passed away. Mm-hmm. You often say we can't move fast enough, and mm-hmm. this is an issue I think that transcends uh, partisan politics, uh, ideologies. It's about saving the lives of innocent children. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We Since uh, March 20th, when our first attempt at passing this bill failed last year, uh, we, we've had four children that have now died who uh, roamed the halls of the Capitol uh, with their parents last year, uh, uh, with their parents begging us to pass legislation to provide access to cannabis oil. And uh, since that time, also, we've had 17 families that we know of that have moved to Colorado or another state where they can obtain uh, the cannabis oil legally. And every single one of those 17 families, 17 children, have seen... uh, once they got access to cannabis oil, have seen a significant reduction in, in seizure activity, a significant improvement in cognitive ability, and in many cases, a complete elimination of the FDA drugs that were causing debilitating side effects for them. So the, the, the cannabis oil works. I've seen it up close. I've seen it happen with these families that I've kept close contact with. So that, that, that's what keeps me motivated to keep fighting for these families, is that it really is making a difference in the quality of their life. And it really comes down to it that this is a, a, a right that uh, these citizens should have to make the personal decision 
on their own in consultation with the doctor of what's in the best interest for their children uh, or for themselves. You had hearings across the state from Augusta to Macon, uh, in Atlanta and other cities, Gwinnett County, and and we we saw these families uh, testifying, and this is this was tough stuff to, to to watch these families go through. There's a video out there, isn't there, that that folks could find online to watch that that was put together. There was. It's called Growing Hope, and you can go to GrowingHopeFilm.com um, and access the, uh, the. It's about a 48-minute video, but it's a, a well-done documentary on the fight for cannabis oil in Georgia. Uh, you can also find the video. Um, uh, you can also find out more information at GeorgiasHope.com, which is kind of a one-stop shop for information about the uh, medical cannabis effort here in Georgia. Uh, and if, and if, if those who are listening uh, have a child with seizures or have a uh, condition that they believe um, would benefit from cannabis oil, they can go to georgiashope.com uh, to figure out how to advocate for HB1 and also connect with parents group and citizens group uh, who are fighting for this uh, effort as well. Well, listen, Alan Peake, uh, you're one of the good guys down there, and I know you've got a busy schedule. We're coming up on a break. I want to say also Alan is uh, – a citizen legislator, we were talking about that before you came on the air, sir, and what he does in his private life, he runs uh, the Cheddar's Restaurants, uh, the one in Macon, uh, Athens, all the ones that, that most of us around Atlanta, the state of Georgia, would see. So next time you're driving down the road, you see a Cheddar's that's run by one of the good guys and go in and pat- patronize that, that establishment. Thank you for your time, sir, and for your leadership on this issue. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
And we're back on America's Web Radio and Greg's List, uh, sitting in the big chair at the round table today. Instead of Greg Williams is Jeff Breedlove. And uh, we welcome Jeff, Jeff to the studio and appreciate him on a short notice coming in and filling in for Greg. And I'm sure Greg is probably going to send you a... Well, if, if Greg's listening or, or tunes back in, I think he should send you a big box of chocolate, maybe a, you know a, one of those expensive bouquets to your wife. And uh, do your kids need anything? Well, you know Jack's always playing sports, so we'll take anything Chelsea related, Greg. Uh, I, I think he should do that in a heartbeat. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, what he could do is just take me to Ecuador next time he goes down there. I mean, you know, I haven't been there. But uh, it's a pleasure to be behind the platinum microphone on Greg's List Live. I'm Jeff Breedlove with Georgia that's Pundit. That's not platinum. That's rust. That's rust. Oh, that's uh, rust. Uh, like, Greg, that's, that's, that's between you and David. But I'm with GeorgiaPundit.com. Visit us. Uh, our editor, Todd Ream, puts out the daily morning edition. It's free to sign up for. It's your source for Georgia politics and business news. We're talking uh, all things politics here. We just had State Representative Alan Pete call in. We have coming up uh, in a bit uh, Lucas Greenberg with the Young Citizens for Prosperity organization. We'll talk about that and, and the conservative youth vote in 2016 and how they're going to organize to help the Republican nominee. You know, we were talking about citizen legislators and, and a guy like Alan Peake, and you just think about these these 181 men and the women in the in the House and these 56 men and women in the Georgia State Senate, 435 in the House, 100 in the in the U.S. Senate. And it's amazing uh, how in a free republic like ours uh, we have such diversity and, and the sacrifices these folks make every, every day when they're serving. I was just in Macon, Georgia, with the Georgia ceremonial inaugural for Senator David Perdue. On a Saturday, two Saturdays ago, on a wonderful, nice Central Georgia Saturday day, over 300 people showed up, and David made himself Senator Purdue made himself available afterwards, and he didn't leave until the last person had asked their question, gotten their picture made, and he was just doing a lot of listening. The number one thing he was doing that day was listening, and I was you know just so impressed to see that a man like Senator Purdue would just take a day and come down and say thanks to the people of his part of the state. He's from central Georgia, uh, that gave him this opportunity to serve. And I think, you know, it's one thing that separates the United States from countries like uh, North Korea and, and Iraq and, and, and Iran and, and Cuba, which although Cuba apparently is going to be a new vacation hotspot for all Americans, uh, even though we still have some dictators down there that have killed countless uh, thousands of people and, and tortured others. But, you know, I, I hope that, that when you see something that upsets you, you need to let your elected officials know. Uh, but also, when you see something they do that's right, when they're advancing the conservative agenda that you believe in, when they're advancing those values that you and your family believe in, make sure you say thanks. Because let me tell you what, the critics are out there, and for those folks defending conservative values, they certainly hear from liberals on the left every day of the week. What, what you need to do if you believe in the conservative agenda and conservative values in this country, take a moment whether it's a phone call, a letter, a Facebook, a tweet, whatever you can do, remember to say thanks for fighting the good fight for one of the guys or gals that are out there standing up to the values you believe in because they sure need it. They're human just like you are, and, and they need that positive reinforcement from the folks on our side of the aisle so they can fight the good fight for us every day down in Washington, Atlanta, or at your local uh, city council or county commission. You know, uh, I, uh, a friend and I were talking, and I think I, I – made him fall out of his chair uh, 
in that uh, I don't like under any circumstance I don't like the mayor of New York particularly but I defended him in that he did what he had to do and New York was very lucky that they didn't get their 36 inches of snow they got 6 inches but you know he made a decision and this is when you know it's terrible that it has to be a disaster it has to be a 9-11 it has to be this or that when, when we all come together if we could live like that day in and day out coming together, compromising just like you said a minute ago just think there ain't such as utopian eh, we, we can give that one up but just think of what a world we would have if we could compromise and do uh, it on a gentlemanly ladies basis, whatever and um, how much further we could go in this country Well, again, this morning I, I watched for four hours the DeKalb County Board of Commissioners meetings now those folks do not all agree with each other. But you could watch moments of agreement, public, transparent discussion, debate even. And where they were being reasonable, they came up with solutions for the people of DeKalb County. Well, one or two occurrences, it seemed that there was one person in particular, where they were just driven by ideology or politics or something. And so you could, you could witness, I witnessed this morning, what happens when people who disagree put those disagreements in a professional setting and try to find uh, something they can all live with versus when they just dig their heels in and say, it's my way or the highway? And, you know, I think we see a lot of that going on right now in Washington, D.C. You know, one of the most embarrassing situations for the United States right now is the way that the Obama administration is reacting to the fact that Prime Minister Netanyahu is coming to address the United States Congress. And he is not, the president is not going to meet with the prime minister. He had time to meet with some woman with green lipstick that eats cereal out of a bathtub. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's fine and well and good. It's just fine and well and good if he wants to interview with her. More power to her. But if you've got time to do that, then saying I don't have time to meet with our closest ally in the Middle East just doesn't wash. And frankly, it presents a clear national uh, danger to the national security of the United States. No question. You know, and so we, we have a, a, a situation in politics where we have a White House completely devoid of compromise. The, the administration doesn't even like to work with Democrats in the Senate and House, much less Republicans. It's the most isolated White House, I would suggest to you, ever. It's much more isolated than both the Carter or Nixon's White House were. And, and, and frankly, one wonders you know, how he really plans to do anything the next two years for the uh, advancement of the people of America. I don't think he does, and I don't think he cares, and I think that's been, in my opinion, his agenda the, the whole time. It's not for the people of America. It's for Hussein Obama, and uh, that's the way it's been for six years, and that's the way it's going to be the next two years. And, and the only thing I hope is that uh, with us having uh, both houses, that at least we can put a stop to some of it. Well, it's um, going to be so important that the leadership of both houses uh, stand up and advance the conservative agenda that they ran on and campaigned on. It's these things that um, the American people are expecting from the leadership of Congress. And they have a crystal clear opportunity to draw a contrast between the conservative values that uh, that the Republican Party ran on versus the 
left-of-center liberal values that Obama is trying to push out of the White House. And I think success will be defined by the voters, frankly, as not so much how much you pass, but maybe how much you stop of the Obama agenda. I think we've got Lucas Greenberg that just called in, my good friend, who's the chairman of Young Citizens for Prosperity. Are you with us, Lucas? I am, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. On a, uh, I think it's a, a special day at the University of Georgia where you attend. I believe this is the anniversary of the day the Bulldogs came into existence and got their charter back in the day. It is, yes. So I don't know if you all have some special party plan tonight on Fraternity Row or anything like that, but congratulations on the birthday of the Bulldogs. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be something going on tonight. I, uh, I don't doubt that. Well, we're so impressed by, by Young Citizens for Prosperity and your plans to involve young conservatives in the 2016 uh, election process, uh, getting uh, a virtual army and a boots-on-the-ground army ready to help the Republican nominee as they emerge from Cleveland that summer. Tell us a little bit about the mission statement of Young Citizens for Prosperity. Okay, so basically the mission of Young Citizens for Prosperity is to sort of build a foundation for Republican victory uh, for generations to come, really. Um, And it's really going to focus on inspiring the youngest demographic of voters, the 18 to 30-year-old group um, to vote Republican and um, through a creation of, as you mentioned, a nationwide grassroots volunteer network um, along with a lot of uh, initiatives on college campuses and a, a presence online. Um, our goal is to um, sort of start building a, a bigger tent and uh, building a foundation for the next generation of conservatives. Now, what impresses me are, are several things. One of those is you are, are not ashamed to say that in 2008 and, and even 12, the Obama campaign did a very good job uh, using technology to relate to, to the youth vote, and, and your organization is one of the first that's uh, been successful to utilize some of the same social media tools to reach out to um, to this younger generation of voters. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so um, as, as you did mention, uh, 2008 and in 2012, uh, Democrats were walking around with iPads and Republicans were walking around with uh, notebooks and struggling to keep up. Um, my generation, uh, the next generation, most young people now, even pretty much everyone now is got a smartphone, they have an iPad, um, and I think with our organization, our platform, we're working on uh, developing an app for our volunteers and our uh, our staff members to go out and uh, be totally interactive with, every, with our whole organization. So whether we post something on our Facebook page um, and it gets shared through our app, um, all of our or we have a deployment on a weekend um, coming up um, during the election. Um, everything is online and everything is organized and technology is important. I think um, the Republicans we're gonna we're gonna be on par with the Democrats this time. 
Now, one of the things you've done is taken a, a very uh, detailed look at some of the election returns in the last election. And we're about a minute out from the next break, but when we come back from the break, I want to go into some detail on how close some of these uh, battleground states were in 2012 and how the youth vote, if it's organized in the right way, uh, and we have a strategic strike force of, of young citizens for, for prosperity active, uh, you know, we can we can make a difference in some of these battleground states. I also want you to tell us a little bit about the uh, the college tour that, that you guys will be doing uh, leading into the uh, 2016 cycle, uh, leading up to the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Convention uh, for the GOP in 2016. So we're talking with uh, Lucas Greenberg with Young Citizens for Prosperity. We'll be back in a few minutes after these uh, short commercial breaks. This is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time as I interview special guests that will inspire adventure and fitness for females. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Hi, this is Kate Copsey from the Master Gardener Hour. We talk all about plants and gardeners every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on America's Web Radio. So please come and join us. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And this is Jeffrey Love sitting in for the excellent Greg Williams on Greg's List Live here on America's Web Radio, visiting with Lucas Greenberg of Young Citizens for Prosperity. And Lucas is, is really drilled down into the numbers in the battleground states. Tell us a little bit about how we can be optimistic in 2016 if we put the right amount of strategic planning and organize a group of young conservatives to be ready to enter the field of battle. Okay, so well, right now um, at Young Citizens for Prosperity, we have uh, 12 target states um, that were uh, focusing on for 2016, um, those being uh, Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And um, if you uh, look into the the numbers of how the vote broke down um, by age um, in 2012. Um, if you look at a big swing state like Ohio, um, you saw in the 18 to 30-year-old demographic of voters, 62% um, of that age block went to Obama, while only 35% went to Romney. Um, and you see the same picture painted uh, in Florida, 
um, with 66% of that youngest uh, voting block going to uh, Obama, while 32 went to Romney. So if you look at the four biggest swing states for the majority of the party and all of the main staff of a campaign spends their time and money, um, Republicans won uh, in the age groups of 45 to 64 and 65 plus in all four of the closest states from 2012, Ohio, Florida, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Um, so the, the what swung 80 electoral college votes in four states was the youth vote. Um, so if, if the youth vote alone had gone um, even a few points um, in the direction of the GOP, I mean, you're looking at Mitt Romney in the White House right now. So th- there really is a huge opportunity for the, the right and the GOP to strike on this group of people who, quite frankly, haven't been, uh, they've been promised a lot of things by uh, the president, but uh, they haven't really gotten what they're looking for. So, Well, another important thing you're going to do is the, uh, the college bus tour. Uh, that's going to lay some of the, the, the boots of the ground foundation for this. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the idea behind that tour. Okay, so the idea behind that tour is to basically um, sort of mimic where we're already behind as, as a party right now. Um, over here at the University of Georgia, uh, a couple months ago, a big bus rolled into Athens, and it had Hillary Clinton's face on it. Um, she wasn't on the bus, but uh, it said "Ready for Hillary" on the side. A um, bunch of people in t-shirts with koozies and gifts and iPads came out, and they just started talking to anybody who walked by. Their Democrats are already, and they have been for months now already, establishing a presence on college campuses, even in a state like Georgia, um, a deep red state. Uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign is already reaching out to to young voters, and they realize that how important um, we are. Um, so, what YCP is going to do is we're going to basically do the same thing. Um, we need to be out actively engaging college students and young people, and seeing what issues matter to them, and how we can reflect our message as a party to where we can gain their support because. We quite frankly have to if we're going to win the White House again. And I think another unique aspect that YCP, Young Citizens for Prosperity, brings to the table is uh, this is certainly, uh, I think you would agree, by no means a competition with the college Republicans. I was a college Republican uh, chairman at Georgia State University back in the day before we had smartphones and, and all this fun stuff. Uh, but I think you want to complement the good work they do on the campuses. But there's a demographic of college student that no matter how cool or hip, uh, the college Republican chapter is they're just not going to go into a Republican meeting. Right. And um, a big part of what YCP is, is it's not a, it's not a club that's going to be established on campus like a lot of uh, conservative groups in the past have been modeled. It's not that, doesn't follow that model. Um, it's very much a virtual interactive network of, of activists and just of people that um, that 
want to see a Republican in the White House. And you don't have to be a college Republican. You don't have to go on a trip knocking doors every weekend to want that. Um, so what we're trying to do is reach out to everyone and um, make sure our full impact is felt. Now, there's um, no question that there's going to be a large Republican uh, primary field. Uh, there may or may not be a large Democrat one. We don't, we don't know. I don't know that they know. Um, that would seem to be a great opportunity for an organization like yours with, with so many credible primary candidates to, um, to, to seize on that energy. But I think one of the unique things about your group is you're committed, I think, to the Republican nominee regardless who they are. You're not necessarily Correct. for one campaign or another. You're just ready to help the Republican win in November. Correct. And um, I, I think the primary process is going to be a, it's going to be a long road. Um, I mean, right now, I don't even the insiders in the GOP have no idea who who's going to end up being the nominee. But we're committed. We have our eye, eye on the prize, and we want to make sure that we don't have a Democrat in the White House for another four years or another eight years. So. We have our eye on the prize. We're focused on the goal, and we want to make sure um, we take care of business in 2016. We don't get caught uh, being outsmarted again um, by the Democrats. Well, that's one of the things that, that you notice when, when you spend some time on Twitter or, or Facebook even. Uh, a lot of the the certainly on Twitter, it seems like uh, a lot of the young people that, that are on there consistently uh, probably are uh, Democrats. And I think, you know, it's so important to have an organization like Young Citizens for Prosperity out there uh, making it uh, cool again to be to be Republican. I mean, one of the, the very famous uh, reasons that, that uh, President Reagan's team did so well in, in 1980 was they had a targeted plan for the youth vote and uh, and it worked and it worked because they, they had a respect for the youth vote in America and I think uh, having a group like yours out there um, you know showing young folks that um, it's important to vote Republican for for reasons but but not being too serious about it while you're doing it I think is going to make a big difference you know what are you hearing when you approach uh, folks uh, on college campuses, uh, as you're laying the foundation for this for this organization, uh, people are extremely excited um, about the prospects of our organization. Um, we certainly have a lot of potential. Um, uh, we have activists that are actively engaged um, all around the country now. Um, our network is growing daily, and people are excited. They want to see a change um they want to see a revolution within the republican party of uh young people we want we want to be we want to be in the 80s again when uh reagan won the youth vote 59 41 in 1984 i mean that was the that was the cool thing liberals on college campuses were non-existent then well we could make a lot of jokes about it but this is a serious question i mean a lot of the, the targeting in 2008 from the Obama campaign 
to to young people. Yeah, it was about a message of hope. I mean, literally, the hope posters were were up, and they made a lot of promises about the way uh, life would be if only you would vote, you know, for for the Obama campaign. Well, you know, six years on, and and practically speaking, eight years on, a lot of the uh, promises that were made not only didn't materialize, but in many ways they were worse. Uh, a lot of young people are bearing the burden on paying for Obamacare. From a uh, from a messaging point of view, uh, do you think that uh, in in 2016 uh, you'll be able to to use the false promises of the Obama campaign to to remind young people that they may talk a good talk, but they really don't deliver? Well, exactly. You hit the nail right on the head. We have a tremendous opportunity as a party to uh, to basically turn Obama's message back onto him and seize this whole group that went so heavily for him these last two cycles um, over to our column. So um, I'm very excited. Um, I know a lot of people that I've talked to also are excited, and I can't wait to see what uh, the future holds. Well, I know that uh, you probably can't wait to get back to your serious academic studies there, uh, being the, uh, the scholar that you are. But before we go here, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the support you have. You have, uh, I know, some, some pretty heavy hitters in Congress that are supporting the group. And then tell us really quickly how to find you on social media. Okay, on social media, um, we have a Facebook, a Twitter page, and also a website. Our website is um, www.youngcitizensforprosperity.org. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash youngcitizensforprosperity. And um, our Twitter handle is at YCProsperity. Well, so, um, I thank you for that. We're just about out of time. I am just a guest host. I'm not a, a pro. I want to thank Lucas Greenberg of Young Citizens for Prosperity for calling in. Check them out on social media. They're going to do great things for 2016. I want to thank David Moxley of America's Web Radio and the great Greg Williams of Greg's List Live for letting me sit in today. Check us out on georgiapundit.com. Follow Todd Ream, our editor, and myself as we cover Georgia politics. And we just thank you for your time and, and your interest. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.